0: Well, good morning and again, welcome to Grumlaw Church. We are so thankful that all of you decided to tune in this morning, especially on this Memorial Day weekend. So you might be watching from your living room, you might be watching from the cottage, maybe you're sitting in your living room, bitter that you didn't get invited to the cottage. Point being, I don't really care why you're here. I'm just really, really glad that you decided to carve out some time and make this service, make this gathering here a part of your week. Uh, This morning, we are continuing this conversation today regarding following Jesus. And as we kind of kick this conversation off this morning, I have a question for all of us, and you could all answer this, whether you're a Christian, not a Christian, young, old, male, female, black, white, doesn't matter. What makes someone the greatest? What makes someone the greatest? Intentional or not, we sort of inadvertently answer this question all the time. Let's take a professional athlete, for instance. Right now, the NBA playoffs are happening. What makes, for instance, Giannis the greatest basketball player on the planet? His work ethic, certainly, his ridiculous stats on both ends of the court, his, his come-from-nothing story, which I actually already saw a preview. They've already made this into a movie. W- what about in the, in the business world? Sales figures, profit margins, certainly growth. Uh, for those of you who are in school, largely, right, your, your grades. In, in life, what makes someone the greatest? Well, what you do, maybe, your vocation, where you go on vacation, But by the way, we're not really shy about telling people what we're doing and where we're going on vacation, are we? I'm kind of convinced that more and more people, when they go on vacation, they're just living their entire vacation through a glowing rectangle. How you look, your appearance, what you have, your toys, how you act, your volunteerism, what you know, your intellect. You get the idea that the pursuit of greatness truly is endless. It's a question we're constantly getting baited into. It's a trait we are all, in some form or another, pursuing. And I think, fortunately for us, Jesus actually straightaway answers this question. Now, now for some of you, you might not really give a rip about Jesus' response to this question because you're not really buying into this idea that, that Jesus is actually the Son of God. So his opinion naturally doesn't mean a lot to you or that much more to you than anyone else in the course of history. But but as a Christian, I consider Jesus to be the greatest person to have ever walked this earth, probably not surprising that the pastor of a church would make that statement. But but here is why I think everyone, both the Christian and the non-Christian alike, ought to lean into Jesus' response to this question. I want you, very practically speaking, just to think about this. Jesus only spent about 33 years on this earth, and, and nobody debates that. And only three of those 33 years were spent in the public eye, building his brand, building what we would now refer to as Christianity. Again, three years. But yet, here we are, 2,000 years later, and we're still talking about him. Millions upon millions of people still following him. Christianity, actually, in basically every other area of the world but first world countries like America, Christianity thriving. And so I share that just to say, even if you're dubious of Jesus being the son of God, you have to admit that all of that is a little curious. It's undeniable that it's a very, very short list of people that you could even attempt to argue have had a greater impact on the course of human history than this rabbi from the middle of nowhere. So I believe when Jesus shares the ingredients for what makes someone the greatest, we would all be wise to lean in. Now, we're better right now than halfway through a series titled, again, Follow, which, which means if you're new around here, perhaps you've been as faithful in your Sunday attendance as my kids were going to school post-COVID. Remember those days? You get that call like every day like, hey... Your kid might have been exposed on the bus today. You're like, well, what else is new? Logan, I guess you're not going to school again this week. Anyway, you'd be well served to play some catch up, which you can conveniently do at Grumlaw.com messages. By the way, I kind of thought of that like earlier this week. I was really proud of myself. Or you can find us under Grumlaw Church, wherever it is that you happen to listen to those podcasts. But just so you're not swimming in the dark, the premise of the series goes like this. Uh, believing, as we've been talking about, is easy. Church, it's just not that difficult to believe in a guy who predicted his own death and predicted his own resurrection. Like Jesus actually pulled that off. God, your creator made the standard by which you get that right standing back with him extraordinarily simple comes down to belief, faith, trust, synonymous terms. Belief in Jesus and belief in Jesus alone. Not belief plus good works, not belief plus all these religious steps, it's just belief, that's it. But as Jesus would remind us throughout that three-year public ministry, following is, is hard. Actually following Jesus is, is no joke it's an all out war waged against yourself and what comes natural to every one of us it's handing jesus the keys and saying okay wherever you want to take me i will go jesus officially nothing is off limits it's a commitment to leverage our entire lives for the kingdom of god as a follower of jesus you no longer have the call the shots he does but but he also reminds us over and over and over again, I am worth it. That come the end of your life, both for the Christian and the non-Christian alike, what will quickly and sharply come into focus is the degree to which you leveraged your life for the kingdom of God. In that moment, it cannot be overstated. Nothing, nothing else will matter. And for those who leverage their lives for Jesus, for those who truly follow Jesus during their rather temporary stay on this earth, they will undeniably declare Jesus was worth it. He is worth it. So what we've been doing in this series is comparing and contrasting the way of Jesus versus the way of this world, the way of Jesus versus the way of our flesh, what comes natural to all of us. And following lockstep with that pattern, today we're gonna be talking about service over self. Now, it's pretty fitting, and maybe we planned this, that we're talking about this on Memorial Day, a day where we celebrate uh, the lives of so many people who have given uh, such a a willing sacrifice for every single one of us, that no matter where you stand on the military, war, all those topics, it's, it's undeniable that so many of the freedoms that we experience Uh, in this country are a direct result, we can draw a straight line to those who have paid that sacrifice literally with their lives so that we can have those freedoms. And to those of you who have family, friends, loved ones who have given their lives for this country, we truly just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for providing us with that example of service over self. Uh, Others focused versus me focused. It doesn't take long to figure out which way our world tends to lean, and frankly, which way you, which way I tend to lean. In fact, when we look at this question, what makes someone the greatest? It almost feels like we're getting baited into the answer. In order to become the greatest, I mean, right, you have to look out for you. In fact, by not placing yourself ahead of others, it would seem like you're placing yourself at a disadvantage. You're kind of giving your competitors, so to speak, the upper hand. But but Jesus happens to teach something drastically different. As he so often would, flipping everything we thought we knew upside down. And if I can be so forward, something that is undeniably better. It's actually something that's arguably the most elementary, the most basic and well-modeled teaching from Jesus himself. The idea of placing others ahead of self, or again, service over self. And the reason that Jesus made such a big deal of this during his time on earth is because he knew what we all actually know. That left to our own devices, left to our flesh, we all naturally drift towards what's best for me. So so take, for example, hey, would you like to volunteer with us at an upcoming Saturday at Franklin Avenue Mission? Like, it's going to be fun. A bunch of us are going to get together. You know, you got to give up one Saturday here in the summer, but you want to come? What's best for me? Hey, would you consider serving back in our kids program? By the way, these aren't hypotheticals. These are real life. Would you consider serving back in our kids program? We really could use some more volunteers back there. I mean, there's a lot of volunteers that almost serve every single week each month. I don't know. I need to think about it. What's best for me? That the new neighbor just moves in and it looks like they could definitely use some help. Am I going to go over there and help? Or am I just going to go over and say hello and introduce myself and head for the hills? What's best for me? Selflessness, service, doesn't come natural to a single person watching right now. In fact, not a single person on this planet. Not, not even Mother Teresa, I assure you, not even your handsome pastor. But yet, despite that natural propensity towards self, towards what's best for me, Jesus could not have been more clear that one of the distinguishing marks of his followers, not just his believers, but his followers, would be their willingness to place others ahead of themselves. In fact, and we alluded to this last week, it was living like this that grabbed the attention of the world some 2,000 years ago and allowed Christianity to even survive, even make it out of the first century. And it's living like this that has the opportunity to reclaim the attention of our world today. The, The teaching text that we're going to be taking a look at this morning comes from the book of John. It's one of those four biographical accounts of the life of Jesus that we find right at the beginning of the New Testament, that second half of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And here where we're kind of peering in is Jesus's final meal, what would be his final meal with his closest friends before he's gonna be put to death on the cross. And because these disciples are selfish people just like you and I, rather than focusing on Jesus and all the stress that he is about to endure and the day that lay ahead of him, they're instead focusing on themselves. In fact, they're actually literally arguing over this question, what makes someone the greatest? And, and spoiler alert, Jesus just straight away tells them. But more importantly, he's also about to show them. He, he's about to show them it's the individual who places service over self. And, and again, before you're quick to roll your eyes, Remember, just the fact that we are sitting right now, gathering, albeit digitally, 2,000 years later, talking about Jesus informs the logical part of our brains that we ought to lean into this conversation and Jesus' two cents on the subject. And so two points this morning that we're gonna talk about that define service in the kingdom of God. Number one, it's gonna feel incredibly obvious, serving is inconveniencing yourself for others. Now again, you're like, I woke up early to to be told that? Jesus is about to show us just how far this goes. We we pick up again in John chapter 13. There it says, before the Passover celebration, an, an annual Jewish holiday, the most actually important of all Jewish holidays, where they celebrate when the angel of death passed over their homes when they were still dwelling in Egypt and spared their lives. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew, this is so important, he knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. I want you to just take a quick second and allow the gravity of this statement right here to sink in. It is literally the night before Jesus is going to experience untold physical pain and grief and literally have the wrath of God poured out on him on the cross. He knows this is coming. It is no secret to him. He knows his imminent death is coming tomorrow. And what's he doing? As you're soon going to see, he is serving his friends. He is serving at what might actually be the most inconvenient time in the history of the world. And I promise what I'm about to say right here applies just as much to me as it does to so many of you. How many times do we choose not to serve other people because it inconveniences our plans and interrupts what's best for me? Jesus is about to show us check your ego at the door. Inconveniencing you goes hand in hand with service, that they are inseparable. So respectfully, get over yourself. This is serving 101. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end. There is so much packed in just this one verse alone. Jesus isn't distracted by inconvenience. He's motivated by a heart of love. Serving is birthed out of a heart that loves others, sacrifices for others, continues with others. A heart of love readily inconveniences itself to serve the people around us. Now, Now, how do we nurture that type of heart? Because as we already talked about, it doesn't come natural to one of us. From my vantage point, as I look to the life of Jesus, that there are two very intentional habits that we can cultivate. Number one, and we talk about this one (laughs) a lot. Hardly a Sunday goes by where we don't mention it. Daily encounter. That that, that daily time where each morning the first thing you do when you get out of bed is you open up the living, the breathing word of God which has been preserved for you to speak to you, to transform you, to convict you, to change you, and you allow the word of God to speak to you, to speak over your life. The first thing that you hear in the morning is the voice of God before you are about to get inundated with the voice of the world. You share, you cry out honest feelings with your living God through prayer. Whether you've come to grips with this or not, Jesus needs to be the primary voice in your life. And as I haven't been shy about sharing, showing up here for an hour each week isn't going to cut it. Every single one of us, this is true. You become what you give your mind to which is why that daily time with Jesus is so important. His voice needs to be given the space to outweigh the world's voice. So the first thing we do again each morning is we pick up this book. We allow the words to speak to us and we share those honest feelings with him through prayer. We develop what could actually be a relationship with the living God. So number one, daily encounter. And then number two, intentionally institute inconvenient habits. I want you to think about it. Every single one of us, intentional or not, we are cultivating a spirit of selfishness in our lives just by virtue of the fact that we live in America. You have to intentionally decide to push back on this by instituting, by scheduling inconvenient, selfless habits. We must not deceive ourselves into thinking, well, When those opportunities come along to serve other people, I'm just gonna jump on them kind of haphazardly. No, you won't. The only way that you say yes to those random, to those one-off occasions is because you have intentionally cultivated this into your life previously. Now, Now, some of you, you're about to roll your eyes at this example and accuse me of maybe pushing my agenda. That's okay. It's truly the most practical example I could think of. One of the very intentional ways that we institute inconvenient habits, selfless habits into our lives is by serving in the local church, where we ask you, okay, two weeks during any given month, when you show up here, you actually serve the people who are coming and walking through our doors. Now, some of you are like, yeah, I've thought about that, but I just don't want to. Exactly. And you're not ever going to want to until you intentionally institute inconvenience, selflessness into your life. And so I wanna invite you right now, again, maybe you've been a part of this church thing for a while and you've continued to sit on the sidelines as an attender and I wanna invite you to make that move to an owner you're gonna to continue to feel like, oh, I just, I just don't want to until you intentionally institute that habit into your life. So right now, you can go to grumlaw.com discover, scroll over until it says sign up to serve on a team. Click that link and sign up to serve on a team. It's an intentional habit for you to begin to foster that selflessness in your life as opposed to the selfishness that we're constantly being fueled by. I wanna give you just a very, very practical example here, and then I'll move on, at least from my life, from my sphere of influence as a pastor. Uh, It was about a month ago. I got a text about 11 o'clock in the morning uh, on a Monday. And my Mondays, they're packed full of meetings, so I didn't actually read this message until about 4.30 that afternoon. And when I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, I really should have read this sooner uh, because it was a single mother who attends our church Uh, And she was basically just expressing, hey, I I need to get out of my house today. Some things have come to fruition. I need to get me and my daughters and move everything out of our house here today. And so I call her, again, it's five hours later. I feel terrible. I call her, I'm like, hey, do you still need help? And she's like, yeah, I still need help. I I haven't really found anyone. Is there any way you can round up some people from the church that would maybe be willing to help? And I'm like, I'm on it. I'll make some phone calls right now. Let Let me just again, challenge all of you, think about this. Who do you suppose I called in that moment? I mean, there was a real sense of urgency. We we were working with about four hours. You you think I called the people who were gonna maybe give me excuses, the same people that frankly give about 8,000 reasons as to why they don't serve on a team right now? No, I I, I called the people who had already demonstrated their selflessness. I, I called the individuals who had already cultivated this habit into their lives, who had been intentionally pushing back against selfishness and instituting selflessness into their lives. I called the people who serve on our setup and teardown team. I called the people who already serve back in kids because I knew they were gonna drop whatever they were doing. They were gonna drop what was best for me and do what was best for someone else. The text in John continues. It was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. Now, now y'all, this verse doesn't get snuck in here on accident. Jesus is about to serve the very person who is going to betray him. He's about to serve his enemy. Jesus isn't only serving at an inconvenient time, but he's also serving a very inconvenient person. Let's be honest, most of the time, the better we get to know a person the harder it actually becomes to serve them. As we learn more about their past, their bad habits, that the excuses to not serve them mount, Jesus shows us, let nothing get in the way of you serving those people around you, people whom I have strategically placed in your life. Jesus, as he establishes here, could not have been higher in the pecking order and Judas couldn't have been lower. The gap between these two men could not have been wider, but yet Jesus chooses to serve him anyway. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. And the discomfort that starts to fill this room in this moment cannot be measured. Because the disciples, they're starting to murmur and have conversations. They're starting to figure out what Jesus is about to do. And it's almost enough to send all 12 of his friends racing to the door, Jesus, we cannot allow you to do this. There is no way we are allowing our rabbi, our teacher, someone we think so highly of, to wash our feet. And Jesus looks back at him and he tells his disciples, he tells all of us, you keep asking me what makes someone the greatest. I'm not gonna simply talk about this. I'm about to show you just how far this goes. Remember, you're not simply believers. You are my followers. And for the follower, there is no limit. There are no restrictions when it comes to serving the people around you. And with that, he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Today, Jesus said, I clean your nasty, gross, calloused feet. And if you thought this was shocking, if you thought this was uncomfortable, if you thought this was audacious, you are in for a real treat tomorrow. Because tomorrow... And I recognize he says, you don't even think this is possible, but tomorrow I'm going to take it a step further. Tomorrow I'm going to offer my life for your sin. That is how far this goes. Today I cleanse your feet. Tomorrow I cleanse your hearts. And let us not forget who is seated at this table. I mean, come on, it's one thing to clean the feet of your closest friend, but what about the man you know is about to sell you out for a mere 30 pieces of silver? The dude that you have given the better part of three years of your life to is about to rip your heart out in one of the most loathsome acts imaginable. Jesus kneels down and washes the feet of Judas, Sort of a parallel to the God of the universe getting off his throne, coming to earth, then dying on a cross, knowing that the vast majority of people on this earth would still end up rejecting him. Whatever excuse, whatever excuse is you've used in the past, I dare say Jesus has you beat. Get near, get low, get vulnerable get into their mess. And then number two, serving shows Jesus to others. Have y'all ever driven around and just kind of noticed the sheer volume of church buildings in our community? In fact, it's just that fact alone. A lot of buildings that lead some to question, why is it here at Grumlaw that we care so much about starting more churches? I mean, it's like, don't we already have too many of those? Like, do we really need another one? And to that, I would say, right, you are. We have too many churches. We have too many buildings. We have too many people talking about Jesus, but not nearly enough people showing Jesus to a world that desperately needs him. It's like, okay, well, how do I show Jesus to my neighbors? How do I show Jesus to my coworkers, my friends, my family? (laughs) Jesus is like, you're overthinking it. You serve them. You selflessly give up your time, your talents, your resources for the benefit of others, especially when it in no way tangibly benefits you. The, the, the last two weeks, uh, we've been really hitting hard this this summer serve sign up, where we've been challenging every single person who would call Grumlaw uh, their church home to to sign up for at least one of these summer serve opportunities. Uh, Right now, I looked at the middle of this week, there's uh, 116 people that we have signed up. And honestly, I was kind of surprised by that number. I was actually like, okay, that's not horrible. But on any given weekend, you know, we'll have anywhere between 700, 800 people showing up across both of our campuses. So 116, we got a lot more people than that that call this place their church home. And again, I want to challenge you, I want to invite you. If you call this place your church home, don't you dare not sign up for one of these summer serve opportunities. Take out your phone right now, wherever you're watching from. Go to Grumlaw.com slash discover and sign up for one of these things. Even you're like, oh, God, I'm going to get to it later. No, you won't. We're capable of endless self-deception. Sign up right now while the conviction is still running hot. Now, maybe some of you, you're skeptical. You, You think guys like me that do what I do for a living, pastors, we're a bunch of swindlers. I'm telling you, there are plenty of opportunities if you go here that in no way tangibly benefit this church, just organizations that so recklessly love and serve on this community. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because that's what I am. That is who I am. Jesus reminds these disciples of his position. He is indeed Lord. He was there when the heavens and the earth were created. The greatest person ever has taken on the lowest position. As his followers, not just believers, followers, were to do the same. And the, and the minute that you start thinking that you're really someone special, that the minute you start to think that that is beneath you, Just use that as a cue to get off your throne and start washing some feet. Remember, Jesus actually was something, but yet he considered himself as nothing and took on the role of the servant for you, giving his life for you, would have died for you if it was just you. Church, dream with me here for a second. Wouldn't it be something if more than anything else, We, Grumlaw, as a faith community, were known as a group of people who thought of ourselves as nothing. And as a result, that there was nothing that was beneath us. A group of people, a group of followers who readily inconvenienced ourselves for the benefit of this community that we're privileged to be in. That would be something. And since I, Jesus continues, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. He says, hey, follow my example. You ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Now these right here might feel like merely motivational, inspirational words from just another guy, but (laughs) then tomorrow happened. When the same guy who said these words offered his life for your sin. That's how far this goes. And that man, your sacrificial lamb, your risen savior, He invites you, follow me. Don't just believe in me, follow me. And and whenever you find yourself at a crossroads, unsure of where God may be leading, default to the position that places others ahead of you. Place service over self. Church, serving others shows Jesus to a broken world that desperately needs him. Serving others causes people to lean in, to ask questions, to take a closer look. When we examine this question, what makes someone the greatest? Jesus, your Savior, he tells us, but more importantly, he shows us, it's those that place others ahead of me. Service ahead of self. And again, even if you're skeptical of Jesus, just think about this isn't this the type of person you want to work for? Isn't it true that this is the type of person that you wanna date, that you wanna be married to? Isn't it true that this is the type of person you wanna work alongside, have living next door? Isn't it true that this is the teacher that you want in your child's classroom? Isn't it true that this is the boy you want your daughter bringing home? Even though we all drift towards what's best for me, selfishness, It is selflessness, service that we want from all the people around us. Let us be that person to those whom God has placed in our lives. But rather than being a faith community that asks, what's best for me? Let Grumlaw, let this be a church where we ask, what's best for the me beside me? where we're serving at inconvenient times and inconvenient ways towards inconvenient people and for the follower of Jesus, all for the purpose of pointing to an inconceivable God. We don't need any more believers merely talking about Jesus. We need followers actually showing people Jesus. Followers placing service over self.